Thank you for being here. It's really great to, to be with our church family, and it is an honor for me to, to be up here and, and preach um, as part of our Roman series. So I, I hope that, that today, I hope that today our lives will uh, change ever so slightly. That will be my hope today. And so we are in Romans, and, and this is a, uh, a series that we've been in for a little while now, maybe almost, <laughs> almost two years, I think. I would love to go back through it again. It's just it's such a rich book. There's so much, um, there's so much there, and I am glad that we took our time. Um, and honestly, we could go back through it and, and learn new things again. There's so much there. Um, and, uh, and, and, and we broke it up into four parts. Uh, ruin over there, redemption, rejection, and responsibility. And we're in this last part about, about responsibility. And even in this last part that we're at, we're at the end of it. So we're really close to wrapping up. Um, and so today, uh, as, we, as we dive in, what we're gonna, what we're gonna see, we're gonna see Paul preaching by example. It's gonna be less about, uh, hey, do this or that, but more about, here's how I'm running my life, and we're gonna look at what that means for our own lives. Um, so, so, so we're really gonna get to this idea of, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And this isn't just in word uh, and in deed. It's, I'm sorry, this isn't just in word. It's not just him talking, but it's also him just saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. Now, we're going to infer from that a whole lot about what we, uh, what we should be doing. And actions are really, really powerful. Uh, let, let, me, let me give you some examples. Um, so my children, you know, we have quite a few. Uh, the, you know, our two boys, right? They're two and four. They're pretty young. One of them sitting over there. And, uh, and they tend to fight. I mean, maybe, that might be, uh, maybe that's just in our own family. That, that might not, not, that's never happened to anyone here, right? Um, that's okay. So we're an imperfect family, unlike everybody else here. Uh, and, uh, and our children sometimes fight. And, and so Jamie and I will, will go and, and, and tell them, hey, um, go and say, like, apologize to your brother. Oh, and it's like really hard. And then, you know, say you're sorry and say, yep, I forgive you, right? So we're going to go through those motions and we, we tell them what to do. So we use our words and then they, uh, they sometimes tend to, um, follow us in that. Uh, as they get older, though, words just aren't enough. Uh, as we talk to, to our girls and say, hey, and our girls are older, um, hey, you shouldn't say that. And, and sometimes the answer comes back, well, you say it. So it's like, oh, mm, that's, that's a bit of a dagger, right? In that uh, words are okay for a while and they're, they're useful, but if we keep them there and if our actions don't if our actions don't uh, do the things that we say other people should do, our words won't uh, won't matter. Um, for example, if you know, if how I talk to, uh, if if I tell my girls or or other other folks, hey, you need to relate to one another a certain way. You need to show kindness. You need to show respect. You need to be humble. But then, in how I interact with my wife or with others around me, doesn't show that. 
my words will fall completely flat. And so, um, even Jesus in Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, Jesus is glorified through, not only through what we say and what we preach, but also especially through our actions and what we do and how that comes across. So today, we're, we're going to jump in and we're going to see at how Paul is letting his light shine before men and how he shows his good works done through Christ. Um, and, and it's going to be kind of three major pieces. One is about how clearly he knows his purpose and we'll talk about how that applies to us and our own purpose. Um, we're going to look at sacrificial giving um, and this idea of intense prayer. Um, and then we'll spend a little bit of time, but this will be mostly homework, on, uh, man, how should my life change as a result? And even though Paul did these things almost 2,000 years ago now, they, are, they clearly apply to us today, and I hope that, uh, that we won't leave them 2,000 years ago, but we'll bring them and make them apply to our lives now. So, with that being said, we're going to jump in and we're going to read in Romans 15, verses 22 through 33. I'm going to read those for you, but please open your Bibles there as that's where we're going to camp out uh, the whole morning. And if you have your Bible open and your notes and pen sort of next to you, that is, I think, a great way to start uh, this Sunday morning. <clears throat> so, verse 22. This is from the ESV. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers... By our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So much there. Let's pray first. Uh, We'll pray again and then we'll, uh, we'll dive in. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Um, thank you that we get a chance to study your word, your words to us. Um, they are as applicable now as when they were first penned, Lord, because you are an eternal God. Um, and, and, and so we just, we thank you so much for that. And we thank you for the life of Paul that we can look at as a great example, ultimately following the life of Jesus. And we look to Christ in all that we are and all that we do. Um, May you be glorified this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 
So, we're going to jump into the first part, which is this idea of purpose. Uh, swimming in your own lane, there was a whole sermon on it, but I think, I think there's, um, since it comes up again here, I'm, I'm going to touch on it. Um, and, uh, and in this case, what, what we're going to see in verses 22 to 24 is that Paul, and this is a, a key takeaway, Paul really knew his purpose. And he was good at it. Not only did he know it, but man, he was good. Um, and so if you look at verses 23 to 24, it says, This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for so many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So he starts with saying, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered. So, so there's a reason. What is that reason? You just have to look a couple of verses back. Um, and in there, it says that um, he fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He makes it his ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. So his, it's super clear to Paul, like man, his mission, his goal was to preach the gospel, uh, and in particular in areas that uh, that he hadn't that he hadn't been named yet, and even as he was as he was planning to go to um, to to Rome or rather to Spain by way of Rome, there were already churches there, they're already set up, but even in there, his goal was to continue his mission. Uh, in Romans one thirteen, it says, "I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you." but I've been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So to Paul, his mission, his goal, man, very clear. Preach the gospel, um, especially in new, in new areas. I want to go one level deeper now. If that's his mission, I think that he was really, really good at it. And I think this passage uh, shows us why. So, so let, let, me, let me go a little, bit, a little bit deeper. There was certainly more to do in the area that he was at. Right? Like I can guarantee you that not every person there had heard the gospel from Paul's mouth. Guaranteed, even though I wasn't there. Right? However... What Paul had done is that he had set up churches and elders to run those churches and he knew that things were set up and that he was no longer needed. So for his purpose, for getting things going, man, he was, he was done. He knew where he had to take it from and where he had to go to and how to set things up for success. To do that, he would have had to do things like trust others, right? To, to be uh, humble enough to say, this is, this is as far as I take it. You guys take it from here on out, right? And not think, man, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle. This is all done by me, by my strength and so on. He understood that this was, uh, that he was just a piece, you know, as part of God's, um, as part of God's overall plan. Speaking of plans, Paul made plans. Right? He made plans. If you look at all his, uh, his, um, his missionary journeys that I have there, um, he definitely planned, but also 
he, he allowed for the Lord to guide his way. And you can also see that for, from how he traveled and as persecution came up and things like, man, he moved things along the way. And even in this passage where he says, I'm going to Spain by way of you, we actually don't know for sure that he ever made it to Spain. Um, certainly it's not in the Bible. Uh, there's some, you know, some commentaries say that there's some external text that maybe he made it to Spain sometime. Unclear. But regardless, even though it wasn't some divine revelation that we're aware of that said, hey, Paul, you must go to Spain, he knew his mission and he made plans and then he just allowed for the Lord to change those as necessary. Very, very, uh, well, rather, Proverbs 69 comes to mind here, which is the heart of a man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps. And so Paul knew his purpose. He planned. That was, like, that was his mission. But all along the way, he just allowed for, for God to establish his actual steps. Um, and even, and also wherever he was, right? Wherever he was, whether there were Christians there or not, he, again, he knew that, he knew that mission. Um, he knew how he added value and that's, that's the way he proceeded. And so, so that's sort of a level deeper that I think it is incredible just how well Paul um, knew what he was supposed to do and, and carried it out. And so then I want to bring it back to us. Um, do, do you, do I, do we have a clear understanding of, um, of what we're supposed to be doing, of what our purpose is? Um, Actually, I once heard this, heard this advice from John MacArthur, and I loved it, which was, um, if you're not sure which way to go, if you're not sure, sort of, let's say, what your purpose is, what your choice should be, and maybe you have a couple of choices, pick the harder one. Just pick the harder one, and then God will grow you through that. Um, and you know what? Like, God will also say, nope, I don't want you there. Go somewhere else. But don't just sit around. So if you're not sure exactly what your purpose is, man, try something. And just continue to plan and then let the Lord guide your steps. Uh, it's impossible to look at a passage like this and not do some self-analysis. So I did that for my own life. Uh, and so for me, I have a very, uh, let's say, traditional engineering brain. The not, engineer, not all engineers have this kind of brain, but mine is uh, sort of very compartmentalized, right? Uh, and, uh, and my wife's brain isn't like that, right? It's more, uh, you know, everything is kind of on top of each other. Um, th- that resonates with some, some people in the room. Um, and so, so for me, my life is, is broken up into like four pretty neat little parts, right? They, they, they keep going on top of each other, but they're, they're, you know, at least I look at it pretty neatly. So one is, um, you know, like one is God, and this is, Hard to just say because God is in everything, right? But I put things like church, uh, you know, how we serve in church and so on. That's, you know, that's one area. Uh, and that's, and I think purpose is clear there. Another one is, uh, my family. Take it in, take it in. They're super cute. <laughs> um, so, so that, that's, an, that's another one where it's really clear what, what my, my role is there. Another would be my work. I spend a lot of time there. Uh, and that's definitely a lead by example type of, uh, type of area. 
Uh, and then finally, that's a picture of me running. Uh, that is also, <laughs> that's also really, uh, really a big part of my life. And so, if I was to, if I was to look at my life 10 years ago, that's very different, that, that slide would be very different than, uh, than the way it is right now, and I'll bet you it'll be different sort of 10 years from now. But it is clear for me, man, right now, that's my, that is my purpose. That is, that is, that's, that's how God wants me to invest currently, as of this Sunday. Maybe it'll change tomorrow, right? But that's, that's how it is. And so, I will say, like, it's worth praying about, planning, and using your own mind to figure out how you should be spending your time to best glorify God. It was super clear to Paul. It was super clear. And, um, and, and remember Proverbs 69, the, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so as we look at Paul's life, man, it's really clear that, you know, following him as he follows Christ, it's just the connection is obvious. So as you look at my life, is that connection obvious? As you look at your own lives, individually, not, not the person next to you, right? At your own life. Could you say, follow me as I follow Christ? And would that be a good thing? Please don't get me wrong. We're, we're all imperfect beings and we can't do anything that we do apart from the grace of God. Um, and Paul knew that. I know that. Um, but is it, is, it directionally, is it directionally correct? Are you, is, is it clear to you? And, and if it isn't, I would ask and I would say that, man, please pray about this. Um, and see what God would have you, um, how God would have you serve him best. That's one part. By the way, this, this, these three big parts could be three large sermons, and I'm going to cover them each in about ten minutes each. Um, so that, that's on purpose. The next part is around sacrificial giving. And man, on first read... Um, Maybe you don't, maybe you don't see it, but, but I think as we go one level deeper, it'll become, I hope that it'll become apparent. So let's look at verses 25 through 29. And they go like this. At present, however, so this is Paul saying, at present I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. Parenthesis. What? Like, your purpose is clear. Like, we've spent a whole bunch of time talking about it. Like, you are to, you're preaching the gospel into new areas of the world. But at present, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. Okay, keep that, let's keep that in our minds. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. What, there's lots of things in this passage. Lots of things and lots of things that we could talk about. What struck me, though, what I found extremely important, was that even though Paul's purpose and mission were so clear, he was taking the time out to deliver a gift, a financial monetary gift, instead of going and preaching 
uh, going to Spain or in, or in other parts where Christ had not been preached. And so this gets me to think that, man, anything around, if, if, if you hear or think that, you know, that physical needs are not important, um, and it's just about spiritual needs, that's actually not realistic. Like it really isn't realistic. It's both. Um, and so you, you can, of course, be certain that Paul would have ministered to this, um, uh, to the to, to the saints of Jerusalem and those around, he wouldn't have put things on pause. Um, so he wouldn't have left it as just a material gift. But that is to say, man, to Paul, the physical needs were also super important that he took time out to go and 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 deliver those. And so this is the idea that is um, sort of, I think, one level one level deeper where where, where I look at it and just have to infer that this is important and therefore it should be important to us as well. Um, so when we look at ministries that, um, like Love Inc., for example, we talk about that quite a bit here, right? Where uh, you, you help physical needs and bring, um, you know, and bring the message of God as well. Ministries like Foster the Bay, um, ministries like International Justice Mission, World vision, compassion, and on and on and on and on it goes. There are so many, right, that I think get this concept of how important it is to provide for both the physical, but then also the spiritual. So I think if it wasn't clear to us before, hopefully, uh, hopefully it is now. And it should be apparent, that's, that's the way uh, first century uh, giving looked like, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it should be clear so that this was a financial gift that he was bringing. What's not clear from that passage is that Macedonia and Achaia, those saints, those Christians, were actually poor. They were really poor, but they still gave. And it sounds like they gave a lot. Um, in Second Corinthians 8, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it. Um, this, is, this is what Paul says. We want you to know, brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means for their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints." And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So they were poor, but they gave and it gave them pleasure to do so. And as to the, to the method, as to how this was actually done, this falls into the, into the discipline category. Right, it's it is not a it is not a one time thing. It is a discipline. Um, Paul even says um, in First Corinthians sixteen verse two, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so there will be no collecting when I come. Obviously, there's a lot of context around that, um, but but we should really consider giving periodically uh, to keep that discipline muscle going. As I was thinking about this, I wonder if there's a really close parallel between giving and something like exercise or something like prayer or even something like uh, like eating, 
right? These kinds of things, they're just not great done one time and then, and then not again. Like, they're the kinds of things that you want to have, um, that you want to keep, keep top of mind, um, so that, so that you can grow from it. Um, you know, I, I can pick any of those. Let's, let's go with, um, I don't know, eating, right? If you eat once a month, you know, 30,000 calories to kind of cover your month, you know, probably not healthy. You can't even do that. That would be a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Um, so, and I think, so I think there are definitely, definitely similarities here and also convicting for me as I was, as I was looking. So we, you know, forget the amounts, right? But, um, but currently, you know, we give once a month and it's just, again, for me personally, it's just really not top of mind. Um, cause it kind of, it happens, you can, you kind of forget about it over the course of the month or, you know, money goes out of the bank out automatically, whatever. Um, I just wonder, a month's all staying the same, but I just wonder if, let's say, we were to give $40 a month, if I would grow more by giving $10 a week instead, right? Because I'm thinking about it and I'm, and I'm remembering my dependence on God. Um, that's certainly something for me and Jamie to, to think about, and it's different for everyone. Um, it's just kind of more on the, on the mechanic side of it. But, but really, um, you know, it's important to give. We'll take that away. Um, and also, I think it's important for it to be, to be top of mind. Whenever there's sort of discussion on giving, I hope people aren't sort of squirming their seats, like, what is he going to ask us or a new building project that we're doing? <laughs> no, we're not announcing that. Um, this is actually, it was no, co- no coercion, right? This was fully, and it must be fully voluntary. Um, it was so for the churches of uh, Macedonia and Achaia, and it should be for us. It's an occasion to be cheerful. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So please, please, please don't look at this as something to be compelled or forced into doing, but do it because it is first fruits, it belongs to God, and because it gives you joy to do so. It also brings an idea of this worldwide connection in the church body. That's something else that comes out. The Macedonia and Achaia were nowhere near Jerusalem. So by, uh, by ancient standards, I imagine that was like a super long, red-eye, multiple-day flight across the world a couple times. Um, so so they, you know, these saints, these, these Christians didn't know each other, and yet they felt compelled to give to help one another because they were part of the same body, the same body of Christ. Uh, and so when, when you give, when we give, think of it not just locally, but helping Christ everywhere. Certainly when you give to NBC, a portion of it goes to missions, um, not just um, sort of the running of our church and local missions, but also global as well. Um, and I will say about NBC, that man, you are a generous church. You're a generous church, and it is uh, an honor, it is a pleasure to be, to be an elder and to, to talk budget. And, and, and as, we, as we think, man, what should the budget be for next year? We try to, you know, we try to um, make sure we live you know, within our means. You know, we'll set an amount that we think is um, sort of 
reasonable, maybe even stretches us. And every year, every year, you guys give more than what we plan for. So, so thank you. So this isn't a, hey, like as a church, we need to rally together and give more. Like, no, like you, you're, you're doing amazing in this area as a church. Please keep that up. As individuals, I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I don't look at who gives what. And so, um, so that would be between you and God. That's something to pray about in your own lives, right? I'm not sure if, you know, a, a few individuals in the church make up all the giving or what. I really don't know what that looks like. Um, but this is something to, um, to look and analyze for, um, for yourself. So, just to summarize the, the sacrificial giving, man, it's, it's important. It's important to give. Paul took time out of his very, very clear mission to go and deliver a gift to take care of physical needs as well as spiritual. Um, so don't think that, uh, oh, somehow that's, that's not a big deal. It is. <clears throat> Next. Intense prayer. I love this. Verses 30 through 33. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Much like the previous passage, so much here. I'll pick on a couple things, um, but certainly a lot more studying to be done. Let me start with just what is prayer? Maybe that's, maybe that's simple. Maybe we know, but very simply defined that is personal communication with God. Catch that. Prayer is personal, your own, communication with God. And when you say God, this isn't... I, I, don't even, I wouldn't do it justice. This is the Lord of the universe. Uh, this is omnipotent, omniscient God, eternal being. And we, through prayer have the ability to have personal communication with him. That's what prayer is. Like that itself should should be both sobering, scary and extremely joyful all at the same time somehow. Right? That we, that we can that we can do that. And it comes prayer comes in different in different forms. Uh, there's petition, right or intercession where we ask for things on our behalf or for others. Certainly that's a way to pray. Um, there's confession of sin, like daily, hourly. Uh, there's adoration. There's praise and thanksgiving. And there's also God communicating to us his response. So there's, there's so much that goes into prayer. And we do it, and when we do it, it shows a lot of things. It shows our dependence on God. Man, I am not doing this. My purpose, my mission, my giving, whatever other things, I am not doing these things by myself. 
I'm doing these things fully dependent, dependent on God. It brings us to deeper fellowship with God. And, and another thing that prayer does is it allows us to be involved in activities that are eternally important. As God moves, we can be a part of that by prayer and by joining in with prayer. We could spend many sermons on it. Um, but here, and we won't, and, and here, Paul asks for striving in prayer. So in verse 30, he says, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That word, it denotes this, sort of this intense, like, agony, <clears throat> excuse me, this, this intense agony or effort, uh, like in the Greek uh, Roman games, I couldn't find a picture that was appropriate to show about the Greek Roman games, so I picked, you know, I picked the Olympics, which I think is, you know, similar, which is this, uh, you know, it's this effort, this muscle, it's it's this striving, um, and it also implies that uh, you can get better at it over time. Now, now, if you think about what I said earlier, what prayer is. Prayer is this communication with God, with the Lord of the universe, the creator. It will come naturally for your prayers to be more like striving, more effort. You will show up with, with reverence and you will continue to grow stronger over time. Not every prayer has to be like that. But certainly, um, but certainly, just this understanding of what's actually happening when you pray um, will get you to more and more naturally strive in the way Paul was also for himself, but also the way he was asking others to strive. And so Paul knows that what he's doing, all his missionary journeys and all, all the fruits of his labor, um, and nothing that we've talked about so far, uh, is done by his own power. So he knows that, man, I'm still going to plan. Like, I'm going to figure out and scheme, and, and this is how I think things are going to go. But it's not by, by, by my own power. It is only through God's power, and I'm going to acknowledge that and ask God to be with me and remembering God in prayer always. You know, you're in a book such as Romans where there's so much um, so much doctrine, so much theology, so much, um, you know, you, you could say that it becomes just, you know, that it could be head knowledge, right? Um, but Paul knows that this isn't, this isn't by his own power. And he knows that prayer is what makes a difference. Um, at the end of the day, it's the relationship and unity with God and with one another. Right, so he's not saying, you know what, I got this, guys. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray. I'm an apostle. You're not, and and this is just between me and God. No, he's inviting others to unite with him in prayer in this mission. And man, as I look, as I look at our own, uh, our own country, and even in the in our church um, or in the church in general, I think things would just look a little bit different if we focused on striving in prayer for one another, 
um, rather than striving towards division. Um, again, just an observation. Um, and here, and here, yeah, so that point, um, I think they, should just, they can be a lot more said about that. Uh, maybe I'll just spend a minute on it, where um, if you look around, at least I look around, and uh, whether it's TV or, or politics or Facebook or whatever, um, it's just people are, in general, um, just even Christians, just really at each other um, in the way communication happens, right? If we took the time to be a little bit more more humble and asking prayer from one another and strive ourselves with God, um, I just I just think the conversation would change. I think it would change. There would still be great debate, but in unity rather than uh, in divisiveness. So if if anything I said describes you or, or someone like I, I don't know, I would just ask that you would take that to take that to God, uh, for myself included. There's there's another piece here in that Paul is saying something, uh, he's asking for a specific prayer, right? So he's not just saying, hey, pray for me, brothers. Okay, good. No, he's saying he's asking for deliverance, for acceptable service, and that he may come to them. So, he, so he's definitely continuing to plan, but also, um, but also ask for prayer for those plans, uh, for those specific plans. And you see this with Paul, uh, in other parts of the Bible too. Uh, in Ephesians 6, it says, um, um, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Uh, elsewhere, he says, at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So he is asking for prayer and asking for specific prayer. And this isn't something that he is not willing to do himself. Uh, so he's not saying, hey, you guys, like, I'm, I'm super busy, right? You guys pray for me. You take care of that. Or, uh, or, hey, I'm not comfortable praying. You please pray for me. No, he is saying, hey, strive with me in prayer or together with me. So he is definitely practicing what he's asking others to do. Um, and so you see this theme of, follow me as I follow Christ, certainly I see this as another example where, man, Paul is striving in prayer and he's asking others to, to come along. For me personally, I feel like this is definitely an area where um, I could use a bit more striving in my, in my prayer life. Man, praise God, though, for his grace and mercy, right? Like, this isn't what makes me good, like the, the ability to strive in prayer, God's grace is sufficient and is all that we need. At the same time, there's this tension like between us not needing to do anything, but us doing things because of God's grace and because of how much we love God. So let's not confuse the two, right? Please don't, don't read me wrong. I'm not saying you must do this. God's grace is sufficient. Um, but let's not stop without seeking God um, in everything that we do. Like that, that would just, I think, um, sell us a little bit short. And then Paul ends with the following. He says, May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Another one that could be a sermon all by itself. 
That is the peace. What he's talking about is the peace of reconciliation to God. It's the peace that we no longer have enmity with God because of what Jesus has come, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the God of peace that he's referring to. And that peace that he is saying, hey, may that be with you all, that is in your hearts as individuals, and that permeates to one another as well. And it gets to, to this theme that I, was, that I was talking about earlier around unity rather than division, where we know that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Um, and as far as it depends on us, we should try to live peaceably with all. And so because we have, the, because we have this peace and this reconciliation to God, both for ourselves and other Christians around us, man, there should be just a peace amongst us um, that comes as a result. So, how should our lives change as a result? What does it mean to follow me as I follow Christ? When Paul says that, um, certainly you can look at his life as examples, um, as an example, and man, that's a great example. And Paul had a certain purpose, um, and he, he had certain values, and that's incredible. What does that look like for each one of us? Um, this is the, the homework piece. I would love um, if, if you wrote down either today or over the course of the week and in, in, to community groups, it's like, how should my life change? What are, and, and not just broadly, but specifically, much like what we see in specific prayer and specific plans and specific actions, what are, let's say, two things that you want to change by God's grace? Um, always remembering that um, it's not by our own power, even though it's okay to make plans, and, and, and you, you should, but it's by God's grace and having God guide your steps and guide our own steps along the way. So what does that look like for us, church? What does that look like? for you individually um, let me uh, let me pray for us as the as the band comes up and we'll keep going Father God we thank you that uh, that you are a gracious God Lord and the things that we uh, and that you saved us from our sins, Lord God, and that you uh, that you brought us to peace with you through your Son Jesus Christ, <clears throat> Father. We come before you, and we pray that you would show us, uh, because of your grace and because of your love for us, um, help us to do um, to to turn that into action, Lord. And that is that looks a, a very different, I think, for every individual in this room. Um, so I pray that for each one of us, Lord, you would show us how you would have us best uh, live for you, Lord. Never legalistic, always looking to you for guidance and, 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 and power and grace because your grace is, um, is infinite. And so we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.